tell you what. A lot of people, they get a broken heart. I think breathing too hard or something here. I don't know. There we go. I don't have Pastor Ken here to read for me tonight. I don't know if I got a good reader out there who'd like to help me. Nobody's volunteering. I can read out of my Bible. Sometimes the lighting's just a little bit. Well, no, I'd like you to read off the screen. You will? Okay. Well, where'd that, here's that mic. You sit right there. Then I'll look and I'll say, Pastor Stephen. There we go. So you just get ready. And I'll be your backup if you stumble. But this is part 10. We've been sharing about healing of the broken heart and the various things that go on inside of us. And I know I've shared many things along the way here how events transpired that caused trepidation or caused damage, caused woundedness. I'll ask this question of you, and and you can wave at me if you want to. Has anything ever happened to you that wasn't good? Good, I'm talking to the right people tonight. Well, God, he wants to heal those parts that were hurt inside of your heart. He wants to bring you out, and as I've said before, he wants to take this woundedness and transfer it over into being healed and delivered. Uh, You know, a wound, if it festers, it gets infection. And many people walk around with continue a continuation of infection in their emotions and in their feelings. When God wants to deliver, I've seen people healed of physical ailments when the thing that's inside of their heart gets healed and it releases the very thing that's causing them trouble. You ever heard of the term psychosomatic illness? Well, that's where somebody is affected by how they think it makes them sick and uh, you know I won't say who it was but somebody just told me they'd been getting sick because of stress that they were under because of some actions that they took and you know once you confess something it's not a secret anymore and then it's not going to continue to damage you you expose the enemy's agenda And then God brings his healing power. Now, this is the question. It's this. How do we receive ministry of healing of the memories that cause the broken pieces of your heart? How do we receive that? How can we accept it? Because it's very difficult to even expose it. But in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19... Stephen's going to read those verses to you tonight. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Isn't that awesome? This is an acceptable year of the Lord, isn't it? I mean, if Jesus comes back, it'd even be more of an acceptable year. It'd be a glorious year. But it's an acceptable year. It's not the time of the vengeance of our God. That's going to come at the end. People that did not trust in Jesus, they're going to have to pay the penalty of rejection of their salvation. Aren't you happy that you didn't have to be perfect to be saved? Man, if we all had to get perfect, I'm afraid nobody's going to heaven. But we don't have to get perfect. We just have to accept the one who is perfect. And so there's these areas of ministry, opening our eyes, giving sight to the blind. That's not just physically, but it's spiritually. God opens our eyes. I've mentioned that about Jeremiah 33.3. How it said, hey, ask, and I will tell you and show you great and mighty things that you did not know. God wants to show you things. He wants to tell you things. He wants to help you to see that you have a future and a hope. That's Isaiah, uh, Jeremiah, and then Jeremiah also wrote in 29, 11, and 12 how he doesn't think evilly of you. He doesn't think badly towards you. He thinks good thoughts. He has thoughts of a future and a hope for you in your life. No matter how much you've been troubled or stumbled, if you've turned over to Jesus, your life, then he has something for you in your future. And it's awesome. I remember going to Brownsville here, uh, Brownsville, Texas, not Brownsville Church in Pensacola, but in Brownsville, Texas. And there was a young man there, and I called him out, and I gave him a word about how the Lord had called him and wanted to use him mightily. And I mean, the power of God hit this young man, and his life was changed completely. I came back the next year, and he came back to the revival the second time around, and he gave a testimony about how that had changed his life. That word from the Lord through me as a messenger of grace. And he uh, shared about how he was helping out in his church now. And then I think the third or fourth year uh, later, I went back down and he came and I asked him to share again. He got up and he preached about a five-minute sermon full of power and grace and, and then prophesied the word of the Lord. I said, look at how God has got a hold of that young man. But that's what God does. He gets a hold of you and he transforms you. He converts you from being that wounded person that's called into the called person that's healed. He desires to heal us of any brokenness inside of us. And so he opens our eyes. And when you come to the throne of God, and the Bible says, come before the throne of God to obtain grace and mercy in your time of need. You'll accept it. You'll receive it. And he will be there with the, all the grace and mercy you have need of. And so then he goes deep inside of us and heals those places that we have struggled with so badly. 
and gives us a new insight. But that word really talks about to show, that word show means to come before the mercy seat of God. So when you come before the mercy seat of God, He shows you. He opens your eyes to see spiritual understanding. And so let's go on down. Uh, let's talk about the preparation to be able to receive this healing. 1 Corinthians 12, 11. <coughs> but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So the Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need so that you can come out, not out of the closet like the world thinks, but out of the closet of being wounded and into healing. <coughs> Excuse me. That only happens when I'm preaching. So we know the enemies, he's against me delivering this message tonight. Because I really want to pray for some people tonight. So anyway, Ricola, got to help me out. The Holy Spirit knows what His will is for you. He knows which gift it is He needs to operate in. And that's why we can give a word of knowledge, and it can reveal the heart of men and pierce people to the core of their being, and then, usually, anyway, with me, when I give a word of knowledge, I usually have a word that follows it up called a word of wisdom. And that word of wisdom is towards the future. The word of knowledge is about the past or the present, how things are. But the word of wisdom gives you an oomph, a little extra, to go forward so that you can see the future in your life. Hebrews 11.6 tells us, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. Faith pleases God, and it opens the heavenlies by us getting quiet before him. You know you can't listen if you're always talking. Lord, help me, help me, help me. Give me, give me, give me. Change me, change me, change me. Most people don't receive much when it's that way. They're just a lot of noise. But it's the ones who learn to sit before the Lord and let Him begin to show you and give you these thoughts. And when those thoughts come, you can turn it over to God and God can change it. See, you get quiet before Him, and the way you do it is because you have a humble spirit. You know, a prideful person, and pride is a terrible thing. Why? Because pride comes before the fall. People fall into traps when they have pride. And if we're humble, we accept the fact that we don't know everything and that we need something and that God is our help. And so we humble ourselves before him. He says, if you humble yourself before him, he will exalt you. James chapter 4. He'll pick you up and he'll pull you out of danger. And then it says that he will, you know,
know, he doesn't accept a person in their double-mindedness. You have to make up your mind. I'm going to believe. I'm going to accept what God has for me. A lot of people, they get called to minister and say, well, who am I? I? I can't do that. Well, that's a form of pride. You say pride, it sounds like they don't have any confidence. Well, maybe they don't, but pride gets in the way because they, they act like God isn't big enough to change them to where he can use them like he's calling them to do. You know God's big enough, Stephen, to do anything? He can do absolutely anything. He can take somebody that isn't very educated. There was a man down in Arkansas, Brother Gorman used to have him come preach for him quite a bit. And the way Brother Gorman said, he said, this man butchered the English language. You know, he had every saying that you can imagine, and he abused the English language. You know, some people speak five or six languages. Some people speak two, like my wife, English and Spanish. Then some people speak one language. Of course, when you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you're going to speak in other tongues. Who knows how many languages you've spoken in. <coughs> but some people speak a half a language because they don't speak the whole thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, our society today speaks a language that has so many derogatory words and curse words their, their vocabulary is limited. And it abuses my ears to hear how they talk. Because they say blankety this and blankety blank that. And it's a blankety blank day. And that is a blankety blank person. And their mouth is just full of garbage. I've had to stop them sometimes. Say, you know, I don't want to offend you. But your lack of the English language offends my ears. I can't tolerate that anymore. I said, you know, quit speaking so much crap. And that might be a bad word. <laughs> in, the, in Missouri, it's not so bad, but in Louisiana, I said that one day. <laughs> I was a school teacher, an English teacher, and the kids were acting up. I must have been a full moon or something. I don't know. But anyway, they were acting up. And I, I slammed my, I said, stop that crap right now. They looked at me. They said, coach, because I was a basketball coach. And they said, coach, you just cursed. I said, that's not a curse word. They said, oh, yeah, down here, it's, it's a bad word. I said, well, I apologize. I'm sorry that I said that. But you know what? They, they quietened down. But uh, anyway. I had to apologize for saying that word. But faith is what pleases God. And when you're quiet and you have a humble spirit, he'll open your eyes to see and your ears to hear and your heart to be able to understand what he's trying to tell you. Let's go ahead and <coughs> look at Romans chapter 8, verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. What is carnal? It's the flesh. What is the flesh? It's the body and the soul realm. In other words, it doesn't include the spirit. Your soul is your emotions, your thought life, your 
decision-making. Your spirit is God in you, the Holy Spirit. He speaks into your spirit. Your spirit lives on a higher level than your flesh does. So to be carnally minded, carne, that's what they call meat down in Mexico. They say carne. And that means this, you know. <coughs> so to be minded only about the things in our flesh, it leads to death. But if you're spiritually minded, it leads to life. And so you come before God, before His throne, and He will show you the things that will lead you into life. And then we look at Hebrews 12 and 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Amen. Holiness is your state on the inside. Peace with all people, that would, that would have to do with your attitudes and your motivations, your motives when you're around people. When the peace of God's there, people don't get upset with each other. There's an atmosphere. I like that song. Did y'all sing that tonight? The atmosphere is changing now. Was that in the song tonight? Man, yeah, it's rising up in my spirit right now. That atmosphere changes when you put God first. <coughs> when you come before Him with thanksgiving, you have an attitude of worship. You humble yourself, and the atmosphere begins to change. And so the Holy Spirit, He begins to move, and He will see things in us that we need to change. Sometimes other people can help you. They'll tell you what they see in you. You know, I was visiting somebody one day in the hospital, and they just got real gruff and loud. They didn't realize it, but they sounded mean and angry. And I told them, I said, shh, quiet down. I don't have a problem. I said, yeah, but everybody's going to think you do because of your attitude that's coming through what you're saying. You know, what is on the inside is what comes out. Isn't that what the Bible says? The issues of life flow out of our mouths. It says what's on our inside. So when you say something that's harmful or hurtful, you know what? You better get over there and apologize because it, it's what's on the inside. You need to repent before God first and then apologize second. But I've got it here. Self-control is necessary to not be distracted and miss what he wants to show us. <coughs> what am I talking about? Now, I understand you got children sometimes. Stephen's got a mess in his house. Not that his house is messy. That's like when you catch a bunch of fish, you got a mess. Well, he's got a mess of kids. That means he's got how many? Five in there? Five kids. Randy, how many y'all got in your house? Four? You had four. Well, you get those two families together and you got children's church. Amen. All in two families. They used to say that about the Martinez family. They got five now. 
the Betancourt's got five, and Jonathan and his wife, uh, they got three. Now, if I could just get them families back with Randy and Stephen's families, then we could have a big children's church right there. <laughs> but you see, what am I saying? When all these things are going on, those kids are needy. Daddy, Mommy, I don't have that at my house now. The only kid that lives there is hardly ever there. She's out running the street. But she's a good girl. But you see, the only ones that are needy in my house are four-legged. Two big dogs. Man, I tell you what, I don't know what God's trying to teach me. That girl dog comes over and puts her head on my leg and looks at me and goes, Ooh. she wants me to rub her head, scratch her ears. I said, I never showed my kids this much love, I don't think. Lord, are you showing me something? I need to be in a better father because these dogs want me to be daddy to them constantly. They can be a distraction. But you know what? They like to be outside. So when we put them out back on the back porch, it's a little bit of sunshine. It's a relief. You know what I can do? I can sit in my chair and I can think and I can pray. But I don't do too much of that at home because guess what? I have this building right here. And people are only here part of the time. So a lot of times I'm here and in the morning nobody else is here I come in I flip on a couple of lights and I sit down and I have a conversation with God and I wait on him and he talks to me and he walks with me because when I pray I like to walk I'm not much on kneeling I got my knees aren't great and I can't sit because I get a little stiff sitting very long and I just you know don't want to lay down on the bench because I'll go to sleep because I'm over 60. So it's best for me to walk when I pray. So I walk around, I just talk to the Lord, and, and I may talk about you to the Lord. I may talk about your family to the Lord. And I'll wait and see if he wants to tell me anything. He talks to me when I'm driving also. I just push the button called the radio, turn it off, and I'm just driving. And I don't even realize I went all the way across town sometimes, Brother Sherman, because I'm just in his presence. I'm driving. I didn't run the red light or anything, but I make it all the way to the church, and God was talking to me. Just like a few Sundays ago, I was driving through town like I always get here early. I get here close to 8 o'clock on Sundays. It's a habit. And I usually turn everything on and flip the coffee on and I walk and I lay hands on every chair in this building and ask the Lord to allow the anointing to touch every person that sits in one of these seats. And as I'm doing that, I wait on him. But that day as I drove over and I got closer and I pulled up into my parking place, the Lord was talking to me about the scriptures where Jesus was in the boat and about crossing over to the other side. 
And as I was thinking about that, I thought, you know, I've preached that many times, but Lord, why are you talking to me about this? And then my phone rang. And it was Zach. He said, Dad, I'm, I've got a fever, and I feel nauseated. He said, can you go ahead and preach for me this morning? The Bible says to be ready in and out of season. Be ready. Well, guess what? The Holy Ghost is, is my friend. And he's my pal. He's my partner. And so as he was talking to me, he was getting me ready for that morning. And so I came in, sat down, and I jotted out just a few little notes. I made a copy of my notes, handwritten notes on the copier, and I gave them to Philip when he came in, didn't I? And it had my handwritten notes. And then I preached that sermon that day about faith. Jesus asked that question, where's your faith? They were afraid they weren't going to make it. How many times have we been afraid that we weren't going to make it? And Jesus wants you to have faith. Well, a lot of times it's those things inside our heart that blocks our faith. And so we need him to show us what those blockages are so that our spiritual heart can beat strong and we can have endurance to go through whatever he wants us to go through. And so we need the self-control to be able to hear the voice of God. And he can tell us things when we're not distracted. And so you need that time. Stephen told me he goes outside where the garden was, but now it's not any longer growing because it's winter turning into winter. But it's still a spot that reminds him where the presence of God visits him. A lot of people are that way. I shared with you how my uncle would walk back to the, the, the woods that was like a, a blind that would knock down the wind from blowing all the soils you know, away. And he'd see angels. And I went back there. That's where I got that baptism of fire that came upon me. I wanted to see angels. God didn't want to show me angels that day. He wanted to show me a vision of the power of God. And so he visited me that day with a fiery baptism from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I didn't expect that. God will give you the unexpected when you humble yourself and you get quiet before him and you listen instead of just talk. And so that things roll around in your mind because many times we get distracted. If I'm inside, the dogs distract me. And I'm like, you got to go outside again for crying out loud. I tell you, dogs. Usually i got to go anyway, so I get up and go too. But, you know, it's, it's a distraction at times. You need to find you a place where you're not distracted, where you can sit and wait on God's presence. And he will show you things. He can show you hurts on the inside that you need to allow him to pull that root out of that discouragement or disappointment. You know, I wrote this too. The counterfeit hypnotic ways or principles are to use 
a sing-song rhythmic vo tone of voice to get the person in an open state of mind. What does the hypnotism person do? This isn't a watch. I got one on. But what do they do? They swing something in front of you. And they talk to you in a sing-song rhythmic voice and tell you to relax and close your eyes. Don't anybody get hypnotized by me doing this now. I'm not a hypnotist. And then people zone out and they tell them, now, when I say bark, you're going to believe you're a dog and you're going to start barking. Uh, have you ever seen that stuff on, like, Oprah or something like that? They'll hypnotize somebody. Now, jump around like you're a kangaroo, you know. They'll do some of the craziest stuff, uh, you know. Uh, but hypnotism is not God. Oh, I want to quit smoking. <laughs> let, let me be hypnotized. Well, you know what? God can deliver you smoking a lot better than a hypnotist can. So, you know, it's not the way of the world, the carnality side of things. It's the spiritual side that God can help heal you. 2 Kings 3 and 15 tells us, But now bring me a mu musician. Then it happened, when the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. Now, that was Elisha. He understood the spiritual realm. I don't know if y'all remember Diane Palmer. She was a singing prophetess that would come here. She would start out with a good song that we all love, and then she would roll right over into the spiritual realm, and it wouldn't be a song that anybody knows. Zach can do this very well. Sean does it. Eliezer, who was here and preached at the banquet for our conference this year, man, he was one of the best I ever had. At that, I could I could write music when he would do it, and I'm not even a singer, but he just flowed so powerfully. And Zach, I think he picked that up from being around him when he was a little boy. And then Randy shows up, and on a Wednesday night he was up there, and he asked me if I need him. I was going to, I said, sure, get up there. And he has that. You have that. Or we can call it the it factor. It's tuning in to the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, Elisha understood, get a minstrel. Get somebody that can tune in to God's frequency. Have you ever heard anybody talk about frequencies? There's a world's frequency. And then there's God's frequency. And it's kind of funny because... I believe, I used to wake up at 4.44 all the time, ever since 1996. I'd see 4.44 everywhere I'd go, see it on the odometer, you name it. And I'm not into numerology. But God does use numbers at times. And I used to wake up at 4.44 and I got to looking at scriptures and if you've ever heard my testimony, back years ago, I was very disappointed in the outcome of a situation. I moved away from here and went to Florida. And God blessed the ministry that I had down there. <clears throat> and 
There was a scripture that said in John 4:44, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country. I had to go away and let God help me to build a good ministry before I could come back with some oomph. See, you can be talented, you can be anointed, but people have to be receptive. And so there were some that weren't receptive to me, and I had to leave to come back. But when I came back, I didn't have that same... There's some resistance in the area, you know. Uh, there's a lot of resistance against prophetic. They don't want to believe it's true. They think you're trying to practice like being a psychic or something. I can't even spell psychic, much less be one. I listen to the Holy Ghost and say what he tells me. <laughs> and it never is something terrible. It's usually something good that is scriptural based. And I'd look at 444, and at night I'd wake up and I'd maybe 443. I don't know how many times it'd be 443. And I'd lay there and wait for the clock to click over to 444. Until one night I sat up and I said, Lord, why are you waking me up at 443? Because see, Isaiah 444 talks about your, you will have, your descendants will grow up like grass among the willows or in the New American Standard Amplified, it said, like the poplars by the rivers. Well, guess what? This is poplar bluff. This is where I'm from. And poplar trees by the rivers, why this town is what it is. So God was telling me, I know where you're from, and I know where I want you to be. So I was wondering, why 443? And then one day he said, go look in Luke. So I went to Luke 443, and it said, I must also go and preach in the other cities as well, or something like that. You know, you could look at it later if you want. But that's what it was telling me, that I need to go preach in other places too. See, part of your healing is God will give you assignments that will fill or fulfill the word of the Lord in your life. And by the time I got back here, and to this date, I've been in 20 countries, preached before thousands, preached before 10 people or less. I've preached in denominational churches and non-denominational. I've preached and prophesied over leaders, country leaders, presidential candidates in other countries, drug cartel members. I could just go on and on and tell you, God has privileged me to have been healed enough that he can use me in a greater way than I ever dreamed possible. Just awesome. And I'm not anybody spectacular. I'm just a good old boy that likes to eat and sit around and talk a lot. But I have the Holy Spirit working in me. And the Holy Spirit, he knows everything. And he can use you just sitting around to talk to people and it'll surprise you sometimes how God moves on them. And uh, that happens sometimes when I'm traveling. I'll Somebody be along with me, I'll be talking to them all of a sudden. I look over and they're crying. That happened to Dave one time, didn't it? We were in the Chicago airport. And well, I think we were on the airplane. And he kind of had his hand over his eyes. I said, Dave, do you have a headache? 
And he looked up. He had tears running down his face. I said, what's wrong? He said, what you were saying. He said, it, it just, it, it was, yeah, it got to me. I said, well, I don't even know what I was saying. I was just talking out of my well. Happened to L.A. there. We were in the Mexico City airport layover. And I was just talking. I look over at him. He's crying. I said, man, are you okay? He said, it's just what you said. I said, what did I say? I don't remember. He said, what you said touched me. You don't ever know what God's going to use you with. Sometimes it's just easy conversation that manifests through you. The Holy Spirit wants to use you to change others, to help other people. And so Elisha, he asked for a menstrual because something about that atmosphere, it changes things. It sets something. It's a beat, but it's not words. And so many times I'll be ministering places, and they get up and they start thinking we're going to have this powerful altar time like they used to when we were kids. They'd be playing all these gospel hymns and songs and get up and go songs and, and people be just rejoicing. But when you're flowing in the prophetic, you don't need the get up and go songs. You don't need songs that have lyrics at all. And I have to tell them, I said, please stop. Please stop playing. Because I want to praise the Lord. If you're going to play praise songs, I want to lift my hands and praise God. But I said, what I need, if you're going to play at all, just begin to play nothing. But it's something. In the spirit. And that Wednesday night, Randy did that for me. He just started to play. I don't mean, what, you don't know what you're playing, did you? It's just the spirit, isn't it? You're just flowing. See, Zach does that. Eliezer does that. And the flow of the Holy Ghost is just available. It's like it opens the dam that lets the water out. And the flow of God takes place. And, but I'm going to be honest with you. It doesn't work very well if you're never spending any time in humility and quietness before God. I have to spend 10 times or 20 times more time with God than I spend ministering. You know, a lot of people study a long time just to produce a 30-minute sermon. I have to spend a lot of time with God so that I can hear the Holy Spirit and I can know His voice. That He says we can know His voice, don't we? See, humble means to be poor in spirit or needy for God. When you humble yourself, you're saying, God, I'm nothing. And this is my prayer every time I minister. I said it right over here, not bragging. I'm just telling you a fact. I always say, Lord, I'm nothing without you. And if you don't breathe the fire <laughs> of the Holy Spirit on the anointing that you've marked my life with, I, thought, I won't have much to say tonight. Sometimes I felt like I just was kind of flat and I didn't preach much, Brother Sherman. I thought, man, that was a dud tonight. Somebody comes up and says, you know what you said changed my life. I'm like, God, wow. 
I thought I was a dud. But see, all it takes is one word or one sentence, and it can change somebody's life. And I don't know what I've said tonight that might have changed you tonight, but God knows. When we humble ourselves and we wait patiently before him and we say, God, I can't do this without you. I need you. I need your, your voice. I need your leading. I need you to speak to my heart. I need you to heal me. If there's anything in me that needs a healing, God, I need you. I'm, I'm poor in spirit. I need you. I need you to fill in what is necessary. In Luke 4, 18, 19, it tells you that in preaching. It even says to preach the gospel to the poor. What's it saying? It's not just saying, you don't have to read. It, it's not just saying preach the gospel to poor people that don't have any money. It's talking about people that are poor in spirit. They need God. You know, anybody can go out and get money. Some people get it by stealing. But just about anybody can go get some money somehow. They can sell something. They can steal something. You know, people can find money, it seems like. But you know what? Money can't buy the peace of God. There was a rich multimillionaire and his company went public. That means that it went on the stock market and it exploded with value. He was so discouraged. He had a brand new Porsche in California and he drove it off a cliff and crashed and killed himself. It's very sad. He just had the biggest surge of value in his company's history and yet he wasn't happy. Money will never make anybody happy. It will pay some bills. But if you pray and you humble yourself before God, God will help you pay your bills. And you'll have somebody that you can count on and depend on, the Holy Spirit. But people got to be desperate if they're going to be delivered. See, if you want to be delivered out of something, you've got to be desperate for help. And that's when, you know, God can do something fantastic is when you're desperate enough to come to the altar. And sometimes they don't know what's going to turn out. They just know they're empty or discouraged and they're in need. Romans 10, 17, Stephen, it tells us what? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. The word of God. That's Jesus that's in the flesh, and then it's the Word in this book. It becomes alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It can heal the bones and the marrow. It can heal the soul and the heart. It can heal the spirit man if it's been damaged, you see. So faith comes, and the Word of God delivers. It'll deliver people. The truth is what makes people free, not a lie, not hypnotism, but the word of the Lord that sets them free. You know, I want to know right now, and not everybody has to run down here or anything, but is there anybody here tonight, you're at that place where you'd say, I really want 
to be touched by the Spirit of God in a special way. And, you know, I know it's God's powerhouse. They call it the hot seat. But I used to always see arrows over people's heads sometimes. I don't know what to call it, the arrow spot. (laughs) We can turn this off right here. But if you want me to lay hands on you and pray for you and see you touched, God can do it right now. Yeah, come ahead. We're going to have Randy first. Then Randy can go up on the keyboard. All right, just sit right there. I'll put you in the soft spot, in the soft seat instead of the hot seat. (laughs) Yeah? Well, you go out to God's powerhouse, they'll put you in the hot seat. Yeah. Well, Father, let's all pray. Thank the Lord. God, we thank you that you know all things and you do all things. And, Lord, you heal us in spite of our weaknesses. And you turn our lives in a positive direction. I pray for Randy tonight. There's many things going on in his mind. And his mama gave him encouragement, God. I'll start there. Because that's something that I know. Because you told me. But Lord, there are those that have been a discouragement to him. There are those that literally have been impediments. They've caused obstacles to be in his path. But God, you show me that you will remove any obstacle, whether it's a pebble that would be in the shoe that causes a person's foot to hurt, or a boulder that is so big that it blocks the road. And Randy, I just see that God, he is showing me, he is beginning to clear all the debris out, the religious debris, the churchianity debris, all this stuff that has tried to hold you back and hinder you. And God is releasing his presence in a greater way in your life. And those things that occurred when you were a teenager, there were things that happened that made you question even your own ability when you know that God has gifted you and he's poured out his spirit of grace upon you. But many times there's been questions about whether you were really called. And you question because it's hard to carry the load. But God is showing me that he is with you every step of the way and he is bringing you into like a wide open place in the Spirit of God to where you're going to be able to flow and move. And I just see you flowing with Zach. I see you having a great just flow and move of God such that you've never experienced before. And that because when you put more logs on the fire, they begin to burn brightly. And the Spirit of Grace is going to bless you and anoint you. And there is a peace coming upon your household. And what the enemy is meant for evil against your household, God will turn it for good and bring you together 
in more unity than you've ever been before. And he's pouring out his spirit in such a way that your children are going to be touched and ministered to. And I see you being enlightened even more by the spirit of grace. And prophetically, you're in a position coming to this church where the prophetic's going to open up to you more. And you're going to be able to speak with a boldness. And I don't know what it was that happened when you were about 17, 18 years old that caused you to have some fear and caused you to walk with some lack of confidence. But God says that is no longer a difficulty in your life. He wipes the slate clean and he lifts you up and he said you are a new creation. You are a man of God, and you are to have confidence from this day forward by the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. You received that? I hope that was accurate. It was accurate? Okay. All right, go up there and tinkle the ivories a little bit. So play in the spirit. Don't play lyrics. I'll be singing with you, and that might offend a few people. Let's just praise the Lord a little bit. You know, there's just something when you praise the Lord. There's just like a log being put on the fire. So, God, we just lift you up right now. I thank you for Stephen and his family. Yes, I do. Glory, glory, glory. I see a post hole digger and it's like an angel digging a hole digging that hole digging that hole and I see you like a post that he is putting you, setting you in place and I see the Lord putting concrete around that post and he's putting a level on that post and I hear the Lord saying for I am leveling you out. Yes. I'm balancing you out to where you can function. And I'm planting your post in the ground so that you can be strong. And you can hold all the lines that are going to be attached to you. And I see the Lord putting just the glory of God upon your head just pouring in all these areas that seem to you to be fragmented to be <coughs> to where you don't understand certain things but he's pouring in Holy Ghost in those areas and it's filling those cracks and he's filling those areas that have weaknesses and your mind is being strengthened here tonight and he's going to make you a new man you are a new creature in Christ. And God is going to make you strong and powerful. And no longer will people look at you and say, why is he so happy? Because this isn't about happiness. It's about strength and joy and being able to walk. <clears throat> and I see a new authority coming upon you, Stephen, to 
to walk as the head of your household, but to walk in love and truth and power. And the joy of the Lord is going to be your strength. And to be where you, I just see you putting those kids on your knee and just giving them a hug and smiling at them and speaking the word of the Lord over their lives and seeing it solidify and settle their hearts to be in peace. Yes, Lord. Touch Amanda also, God. Let her see the change in him. Let her see the strength that you're pouring into him. For he set you tonight. He set you in place and set you in a strong position by the Holy Ghost. Amen. And any of that stuff that the military said you have, God is settling it. And he's bringing the peace of God over you. Bringing comfort to you. Hallelujah. Glory. Yeah. And I just see him wiping the cobwebs out from your teenage years to where he's going to rapidly grow you in your thinking into manhood to where your spiritual age meets your physical age. Amen. I've never told anybody that before. But I hope you receive that. Yeah. Lord Bob wants to serve you with all of his heart. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be the man of God you've called him to be. He's suffered this year. He has endured hardship this year. He's encountered attacks from the left and the right, but you have sustained him. In fact, you have blessed him beyond his imagination. And so God, now I ask you, Lord, to give him vision for how you can use him. As he waits on you and walks with you, let him begin to receive the little nuggets of gold spiritually that he's going to be able to give to other people. Yes. And give him the identity that he has desired, Lord. Bob, God is going to settle in you your identity as a man of God. He's going to settle you and strengthen you to where people are going to look at you differently. Not that they look at you badly, but they're going to look at you and say, he really does have wisdom. He really does have a good thought, a good vision about what God wants to do. And he's going to use you. I see you being involved with men's ministry. I see, see you stepping in and becoming a man that others can follow and emulate. God's got you on the right track, like a train that has rails. He's making you Bob the train man, right on the rails that he has for your life, leading you so that you can take and help others to go down railway of life. He's going to use you in that way. He's going to settle you though. Your heart is settled tonight. No worry. You will never operate with worry again. But your 
chapter 7 of Jesus. Hallelujah. Did you receive that? Yeah. When you're settled, you have, you know, and Stephen, when you're set, you have a line, a point of vision, and you can see it with more dimension than you did before. It's not like a photo. You know, just two-dimensional or one-dimensional. You're going to see three and four dimensions more spiritually. Fourth dimension, you see things that aren't as though they are. I saw Pastor Paco in 1991 in the fall. He had on a sweater. He reminded me of Mr. Rogers. I was preaching at a retreat for pastors in the mountains outside of Guadalajara and I saw him and I saw that sweater, button up sweater and I looked at him and all of a sudden I saw him in a general's uniform with all these awards and bars on his arm I said the Lord says you're a general in his army and he and his wife had had a church that just went through a split they had about 200 people and within years they went up in the thousands God grew such a powerful ministry and helped start multiple churches. And I've preached in many of those churches over the years. And God will do that. He will show something so powerful and positive. You see, ever since then, we've been connected because of the word of the Lord. So it's an awesome thing. He will give you a guide by the Holy Spirit I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a person. I'm not talking about a spiritual guide like the world talks about. <laughs> My mother-in-law went to Silver Mind Control and she's seeking something from God. She's Catholic, didn't know where to go. She was at that meeting and she said she was there and they said, visualize the person that you want to be your spiritual guide. You know who she visualized? Jesus. And when she visualized him and saw him, told her and said, get out of here. This is not of me. Isn't that amazing? So she gets up and leaves the meeting. You know, because her heart was right. There are many people that have their heart right, but they don't have their methods right. Or they're in the wrong place. And so God has to move them out of that place into a position to where they can receive what God has for them. I just see your blood vessels, Sheila. Sometimes I see in that fourth dimension, but I see those blood vessels percolating. I see like these little angelic-like flashes in you right now, just going, and you're probably going to start feeling a tingling in your body because he's clearing out those little blockages that alarm you and the doctors. And he's bringing healing to you right now. And he's opening up your blood vessels in Jesus' name so that you are to be made well and not sick. And that your brain, those little synapses and the electrons, the electrolytes or whatever you call them that are coming together to function normally in your brain are beginning to function and flow and they're moving around so that you can think properly with the peace 
power of Almighty God. I love it. Lois, there's been a concern of yours for one of your grandchildren, one of your great-grandchildren, and you've been praying really hard for them because you've been not afraid, but you've been concerned that they're getting off the right path and they're headed in the wrong direction. The Lord said, I knew them before they were in their mother's womb. And because of your prayers as a grandma and a great-grandma, he keeps his hand upon them and he doesn't take his hand off. How many got family members you want to know Jesus has his hand on their lives? Well, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask him to put his hand upon their lives Keep them safe from all harm and evil right now in the name of Jesus. Be with them and order the steps, O oh God, so that they might know you in a supernatural way. Visit them with dreams and visions. Visit them, dear God, with people that cross their path, kind of like at the wonderful life when those angels would talk to the guy in that movie. And then he knew somebody was doing something. God, let them know you're doing something in the middle of their life and the chaos in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, keep praying for Sister Virginia's family and for safety on them driving up, going to the funeral tomorrow, that God will utilize that service to turn somebody's life around in the kingdom of God. I know in Dennis's service, I saw four people raise their hand, and I know who they were. And some of them were family members that raised their hand. So I know God is doing some things in the midst. He never lets a saint go to be with the Lord in vain. He has a plan, and he has a purpose. I know of it all. God bless you. Hey, come back Sunday. We'll do it some more. Zach's got another good message. One day he's going to be done with 1 Timothy. Hallelujah. Maybe get over into 2 Timothy or something. I think he's going to teach something else. But uh, we're looking forward to that. And sign up on the Thanksgiving list out there. And if you're not a cook, go buy some cookies. Some of the soft serve kind with peanut butter or with uh, chocolate chips in them or M&M's. Those are always good. Or you can buy a cake. Bring it on. Buy it. Huh? There's recommendations. But you can also bring something extra, too. And if pecan pie is not up there, I put my stamp of approval that you can bring pecan pie.